0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. All right, Merry Christmas! Little Christmas Eve video there to open the service. Jesus Christ, we, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Um, really, though, the purpose of Jesus, the reason Jesus came, the, and what I liked how this uh, video portrayed was that He was born for a purpose. He was born uh, to die, uh, and then to the rise from the dead, and through that death, uh, to redeem the world to uh, the the Father. And so, uh, it's Christmas Eve, and we're celebrating Christmas, but really, we're celebrating the reason Jesus came. And if you're a guest with us today, I'm Pastor Cameron, I'm glad you're here. The Christmas is often time people uh, will will attend church, even if they don't normally attend church. I encourage you to do, uh, to come back, to continue attending church. We do this every Sunday. Uh, <laughs> we've kind of made it a tradition. It's part of the pattern of, uh, and, and the routine of life to build into your life a time where you can... Uh, celebrate and focus on the Lord where you can gather together with saints, with other believers, uh, other people seeking to know God better and through that get to know one another better and also get to know God's word better which is a pattern for our life. We are continuing and actually concluding this week and next the series that we've been talking which is the Outward Journey which is really the conclusion of this whole year um, we don't normally do a year-long series. It's been a challenge uh, to stay focused for all year. But uh, we did the three journeys on spiritual growth. The the inward journey, uh, getting uh, God in us and getting the things of God and, and delving deep into ourselves. The upward journey, growing in our understanding of the Lord and understanding his nature, his character. And finally, the outward journey, which is learning how um, spiritual growth really involves uh, getting outside of ourselves and taking the message and the influence of the gospel of the kingdom to those around us, and so we're, we're, it really ties in well with Christmas. <clears throat> this outward journey. And the verse that we've based the outward journey on is found in John chapter twenty. I want to read it one more time, or uh, uh, before we uh, wrap up the year's series. It says that Sunday. Now, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. After he was crucified, after he's buried, after he's resurrected, and he shows up uh, um, after, after dying, he shows up and appears to them, in they were in a, in a locked room. It says that Sunday evening. The disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. The Jewish leaders had just crucified their Lord and Savior, the one who'd worked so many mighty miracles, and now they were hiding from those very leaders. And suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. And he says, Peace! He said, Chill out, guys, it's okay. Peace with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his side and his hands. And they, the disciples, were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So that's our key verse for this whole series. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. We are sent as Jesus was sent. And so the text or the purpose of this message today is to look and examine well just how did the father send jesus and he sent jesus on that original christmas day so many thousands of years ago we're going to look at a verse that talks about uh god the father sending jesus it's a very familiar verse and this is what happens when you when you refer to a familiar verse everyone thinks it knows what it means and then you stop listening so don't do that okay let's look at this verse Uh, with renewed eyes, renewed ears, and let's listen and try to uh, examine what we can learn from this very, very familiar verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Like this is the, this is the um, abbreviated version of the gospel, so abbreviated that people write John 3.16 in big placards and hold them up as though anyone that was not a Christian would have any idea what John 3.16 meant. <laughs> so don't ever do that. Don't just hold up the words John 3.16 because that implies people already know what John is a book in the Bible and they know what it says. Right? That's, that doesn't make any sense. Does that make sense right now? No. If you d- have never read the Bible, you know, when, I've, when I talk to non-Christians, or even when I talk to people who think they're Christians, they don't know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. All right? they have no, there's no biblical literacy in our culture today. Uh, and so if you've grown up in the church you may be familiar with this verse but even those who grow up in the church are not familiar with the, what this is really saying and so we just want to unpack that a little bit this morning God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life and most often we read that and think God so loved the world as though so was an emphatic expression Like, I so, it's so good. I was in Tokyo just a few weeks ago. and There's this the best sushi place in Tokyo. Can you imagine that? Tokyo is the biggest city in Japan. And this is the best sushi place. And I ate a piece of this sushi, this raw tuna. It melts like butter on your tongue. And I just went, so good. It's just like, oh, so good. And the Japanese chef, sushi chef, said, so good? I said, so good. He said, Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's good. But that's not what this word means in this verse. <clears throat> it's not like so emphatic. It actually means and can be literally translated in this way. And so a better way to translate this verse is God in this way. This is the way. This is so, this is how God loved the world all right um and this builds up the rest of the verse then describes the way and the degree uh, in which god loved the world god loved the world so much in this way that he sent his son to die And, and and i'm going to refer to this commentary that was written way back in the 1800s almost 150 years ago and it breaks down this verse with into several components so that we can understand it a little bit better uh, the first component is the world. And that word there in the Greek is actually uh, a word that we sometimes use is cosmos. All right. and it was a common word used in the time when the Bible was written to describe the, the whole of the universe and how the universe works together as a, as a uh, uh, almost like a machine or an entity. It was actually the word that is used to describe this integrated entity of the entire universe. And so, uh, John, the author, and Jesus, as he spoke these words, God so loved the world. And as they were penned by the, uh, the writer of, the Bible, uh, of this book of the Bible, John, he says, This word is chosen on purpose, that God loved the world. All right? And we need to realize that this means the world in the widest sense of the application, okay? And that God really loves. Christians and even non-Christians, like, it, it just, it, it, it upsets me or it challenges me that so many people see the God of the Bible as a God that hates or the God that's angry, or the God that's upset, All right? When that's not true, that's a false representation. Now, God does have anger, and God is upset about certain things. It's things that are destructive to the world that He loves. He's angry about anything that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. All right. But the reason that He has anger is because He has love. Okay. Love is uh, anger. Is is uh, proper, holy anger is the expression that is motivated out of a deep love. Right. If you, don't, if, you're not, if you don't care about somebody, or if you don't care about something, you don't get angry about it. But the things that you get angry about reveal what you are passionate about. God is passionate about the cosmos, about the world uh, that's ready to perish. Now, of course, this means all of the people that live in the world. But I want to challenge you uh, this morning that, it, it, and of course, all of the people, even one of the people, even one single individual is as important or more important than all of the stars and the planets and the stones and the rocks right we understand that right say amen Amen. if you agree we understand that to be true but god loves the whole thing because he created the whole thing when he created the universe he created as a dwelling place for his people but we are integrated into that and so god loves the whole thing he really does and this purpose is to redeem the whole thing. But it's, this world, this cosmos, is about to perish. It's ready to perish. And so God wants needs to intervene. He loves it so much, uh, the next uh, component of this verse is the, I love how the wording is, written way back 150 years ago, the immense love of God to that perishing world, measurable only and conceivable only by the gift which it drew forth from him. So we have the world that's about to perish, but then we have the love of God. And how can you measure something like love? Well, you measure it by the gift that expresses the love. Now, we as a family celebrated Christmas last night. And so there was a whole bunch of gift-giving and exchange. And it was a lot of fun, right? And each gift was chosen, right, When when you purchase a gift... You don't just randomly walk, well, maybe you do, but you shouldn't, (laughs) walk in the store and just grab something off the shelf and say, that'll do, you know, 1030 oil, everybody needs that, (laughs) (laughs) right? No, you pick something that that you believe the person you're giving it to will appreciate. Why? Because you love them. Or you like them at least. You want to be blessed by them. And so they draw something out of you and you choose something to express your love uh, for them. And so in a very small way, we pick gifts that we think will bless those that we're giving the gift to. And hear the love of God um, uh, it responds to the need of the perishing world, and that perishing world draws out of him this wonderful gift. The gift itself. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Or in the language of Paul, written in Romans, he spared not his own son. Or in that address to Abraham, remember the story of Abraham when he was ready to offer his son Isaac on the altar, way back at the beginning of the story in Genesis, withheld not his son, his only son, whom he loved. And so the gift that the Father gives to the world, the perishing world, that was motivated from this deep, passionate love was his own son, the most precious thing that he had to give. And there's more to this verse. Not only that he he loved in this way by giving the gift of his most precious possession, his own son, but there's a fruit or an outcome of this stupendous gift. Uh, was not only deliverance from the impending eternal punishment, but the bestowal of everlasting abundant life. All right? So it's twofold. We don't just get rescued from hell, back to a place of neutrality. We get rescued from hell into the abundance Of everlasting life or life uh, with God forever in his presence in relationship with him. And in in this one verse, only uh, uh, one sentence, uh, two sentences, a single phrase... It also is one more component, and that's the mode or the method in which all of this takes effect. And that mode, the method, is by believing on the Son. And then the commentator that I'm quoting all of this from says, No wonder Nicodemus is, and Nicodemus was who Jesus was spoke, speaking to, when he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Nicodemus, who was a Jewish uh, a theologian and scholar, was trying to figure out what Jesus was saying, and he really didn't understand it. So he says, no wonder Nicodemus' narrow Judaism would become invisible, or would just blow, be blown away. In the blaze of the sun of righteousness seen, rising on the world with healing in his wings so the blaze the fire the majesty of the jesus coming in all of the father's love giving that gift to bring about salvation so if this is the way in which jesus was sent and we are sent to the world in the same way that jesus was sent right isn't that what jesus said we are sent as the father sent me i now send you as the Father sent Jesus, Jesus now sends me, right? And so this applies to everyone in this room, right? Everyone who hears. We are sent to the world in the widest sense of the word, okay? And what I want, really want to challenge you with is that not to make that narrower than what Jesus made it. He was sent to the cosmos. All right, and so that mean. What does that mean for you? Well, it means something different for me than it does for Tom Foley, because in one, you know we both live in the same town. He only lives a few miles from me, actually, <laughs> but he has a whole different circle of influence. Different people see him than see me, right? Than see uh, Bob, and see Lori. We all have a. a, a, a we all have um, connection points to this cosmos. And the primary connection points are the people that you interact with. And so which people are you to love? Everyone you interact with. And don't limit it. Don't you dare limit it. Because if you limit it, you're limiting Christ. All right? Thank God Jesus didn't limit you from his list. He didn't cross you off his list. Right? Didn't matter whether you were naughty or nice. <laughs> he loved you, and we're sent in love to every man, woman, and child, but also to the planet, to the cosmos. I actually believe this. There's been a confusion concerning um, the, 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 the actual creation. Jesus came to redeem the world. It means the people. But at the end of the story, there's a new heavens and a new earth, and that means a renewed heavens and a renewed earth. Jesus actually cares about the planet and how we steward it. That was our original job description. Take care of the planet, Adam. And he blew it, didn't he? All right? And so we're paying the price for that. But the new Adam, the second Adam, which is a title for Christ, teaches us how to love properly. So we love others and we love, we love what we're, we've been given to steward. And we're, we're to be motivated out of that same love that motivated the father, that compelled the father, that actually caused, he had a love that caused, what the, the, uh, caused a reaction. It said it drew out of him, all right, the gift. And so we are to have a love that compels us to give, to give a gift. And we're sent with a gift, just like Jesus. Jesus was sent as the gift. We're sent with the gift, okay? The most precious, valuable part of us. Of course, that's Christ in us, the gift of Jesus in us. If you're a believer, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you've come to the place where you believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he died on the cross for you, and you've made a commitment in your heart, in your life to him as your Lord, that in some way Christ lives in you. So just like the Father sent Christ, all right, and then, and then uh, uh, Jesus says, we now, you now are sent as the Father was sent, we have to give something. What do we give? The same thing the Father gave. We give Christ. But I also believe that we give like Jesus gave. We give our whole life. All right. He didn't hold anything back, did we? Jesus didn't hold anything back. He gave his whole life. And then at the end of his life, when they stripped him of his clothes and he didn't have anything left to give and they nailed him on the cross, he gave the only thing he did have, which was his life. All right. Remember Jesus said, follow me? He was referring to this. That was part of following Jesus. Now thank God... We don't have to be physically crucified. He died so that we don't have to die, right? He took that penalty. But that you can't in any way say, I don't have to give the whole of my life as a, as a gift expressing God's love to the whole of the world. This is the message of Christianity. It's a powerful, it's a wonderful message. It's a message that's changed the world. There's no corner of the world that has not been affected by the life of Jesus Christ. Even I travel all over the world, Muslim nations, uh, Asian nations, and they don't know the details, but listen, there's been an effect. The church has done a lot of good, it's done a lot of bad, but it's done a lot of good. But The message of Christ has, has, has sown the seeds of truth of this, that we have a gift when ministered in love, to the world that brings about a change and we're sent with a mode or a method okay and this is important for, to understand because belief like right, that whoever believes on him should not perish but be saved there needs this is the this is where there's an uh, in interchange or an in, uh, an exchange a, a transaction all right so in other words god has love for the world God created the world the world exists whether you like it or not whether you know about it or not whether you exist or not All right God's love exists regardless of your response to that love his love is is constant and doesn't change and the gift has already been given all right but there needs to be a response and that response is faith that response is belief ultimately that is what is faith faith is relationship okay it's believing what Jesus said to be true. So it's, 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 a, it's information or facts that we actually believe uh, to be true, but it goes beyond that. I say, because it's true, because Jesus lived the life He lived, said the words that, that's recorded that he said in Scripture and did what He did and rose from the dead, because that's true, it demands relationship. He demonstrated a love that's transformational, and it's changed me, okay? And so the mode that we operate in and the mode that we're sent with, remember, all this is not what happened, but what we are to go with. We are to go to the world in, in the widest sense of the form and to present that love of God as best as we can. We are to give a gift that is, is compelled by the love of God, and that gift is Christ, and that gift is ourselves, all right, as best as you can, and we're to do it in the context or the mode or the method of relationship. Oh, this is what changes the world. This is what made uh, a group of uh, a dozen guys Influenced the whole of the world to the to within a couple hundred years, the Roman Empire, which was opposed to Christianity and killing them by the tens of thousands, became a Christian state. You know, and you know, kind of got weird after that. But <laughs> throughout all of history, there's been the genuine church, even when there's been a church that's been sidetracked. There's there's been a genuine church. All right, so we're to love of the world now. If you've read the Bible, I'm hoping some of you. Uh, may be thinking about this other verse i want to explain it because it does bring a very important balance because the same author that wrote john that we just read from also wrote a letter called 1 john and in verse uh, chapter 2 verse 15 it says do not love the world that must be the same word there nor the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him and so people say the Bible, have, the Bible has, is full of contradictions. i like to take some of those contradictions, and let's talk about them. <laughs> people who say the Bible has contradictions don't even know where the good ones are. <laughs> so here the Bible says, love the world, God loves the world, and then it says, don't love the world. Well, there sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? But there isn't a contradiction, and from the same commentary we read this. The world here, in other words, what's being referenced here, remember it's the same author, John wasn't confused, he was just elaborating the point, explaining it so that we can really grasp. Because if you live in this world, it doesn't take long to find that there's parts of this world that's very, very difficult to love. And actually, there's parts of this world you can't love. In fact, to love parts of this world would be wrong. Who, you know, who would love some of the abuse and the tragedy that happens in the world? No. And so this explains this. The world here means man or mankind. Male, but to mankind, humankind, and, and the, the human world in his and its state as fallen from God. So, in the state of fallenness, it says, God loved the world with the love of compassion, and we should feel the same kind of love for the fallen world. And this should challenge us because Jesus, when he walked the earth, encountered the, the full face of uh, humanity. He saw the brutality. He lived in the Roman Empire. Romans were known for brutality. Okay? He saw, um, pro- he interacted with the sex trade, right? Prostitutes. And sure enough, if there's prostitutes, there's pimps. And so he interacted with that. He interacted with religious pride, he interacted with the, all of the expressions of sin that we come across, and more so. And he was fully, 100% righteous. So if you interact with someone that's, that's you know, caught up in a behavior pattern or a lifestyle that you happen to uh, be offended by, how much more must Christ have felt the offense of the sins of the people that he encountered, yet he still loved them? How did he love them? 100%. He loved them to the point of giving all of himself for them. Regardless of whether they were going to receive him. He loved them before they received him. Right? Getting ahead of myself. So we should feel the same kind of love for the fallen world. It does, and I'll just read the rest of it. But we are not to love the world with congeniality. That means we don't become buddies and to be a friend of the world is being an enemy of Christ is another place or sympathy in its alienation from god in other words the aspects of fallenness the aspects of corruption the aspects of a person's life or the world system that is uh, the result of fallenness, of separation from God, of, of, um, of carnality, of behavior that is destructive and contrary to the uh, person and personality of God. We don't love those kind of things. If we don't accept those kind of things, we don't get friendly with that kind of behavior. And this is what's uh, entangling a lot of well-meaning Christians today. They think that, well, because we have to love, then we love people regardless of their behavior. Well, yeah, we love them, but we love them out of that behavior because that behavior is destructive to him or her. How do we know that? Because we look at the person of God and say, this is how God represents what mankind should live like okay and so we love them we love them passionately but we don't um uh, out of sympathy even uh, allow them to continue or to think that it's okay to live a lifestyle that is actually destructive and in alienation separated that's just what that means alienated separated from God we cannot have this later latter kind of love this congeniality friendship with the world or, 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 or uh, allowing it the behavior to continue and not communicating the love that calls them out of destructive behavior. We cannot have that kind of love for the God-estranged world and yet have also the love of the Father that is in us because it was the love of the Father that sent that sent his Son to rescue the world out of that alienated lifestyle. To rescue the world into a lifestyle of relationship with him so that they could live uh, in unity with him. And, and the last verse here is actually a restating. Again, we're, we're just right in John, this whole sermon. Another place, a little bit later in the letter of 1 John, uh, he says the same thing that he said when he wrote the gospel or earlier, uh, John 3:16. He says this. This is John first uh, john 4 9 through 14. and this verse first verse verse 9 is really john 3 16 restated you know this was john the apostle's main point right he's the apostle of love <laughs> all through his writings he just emphasizes the love of god and he says by this or in this way right for god so loved the world by this the love of god was manifest. manifest just means to make known uh, revealed in us that god has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him in this is love not that we loved god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin that's a it's a big word it's an uncommon word we don't use the word propitiation much okay Uh, it means to be the payment to be the 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 the, uh the the price of redemption to be uh the satisfaction for for the penalty so jesus the son was the payment for our sin he says beloved if god so just like in god so loved the world if god in this way loved us we also in this way ought to love one another so this is about the outward journey in the way that God loved us we ought to love others and as Christians and frankly I have to confess I've always read this and interpreted one another as being other Christians that was a mistake <laughs> I think it means other humans All right, and the reason for that is because Jesus didn't just love other believers because there were no other believers even the disciples didn't get it until after the resurrection alright it means one another it means, who? it means whoever you interact with you interact with different people than I interact with do you realize that you may be the only Jesus that person meets You don't know. If you have even a tiny bit of Christ in you, you may be the closest conduit, the the, the closest that person gets to receiving the message of love from the Father. In this way, we ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected, or brought to uh, a maturity in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us. So he's given us a really big point here. By this we know we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, And so this last verse tells us something really important. It lists three ways that you can know. How can you know that you abide in Christ? And that means that you're saved, if you want to put it point blank. And that he is in you, that you've been filled. And John here gives us a list of three things that we can know that he abides in us and he in us. Uh, that, That we in him and he in us. And one is that we have his spirit. Now, if you're a Pentecostal charismatic, we well, you know what that means. You talk in tongues. You pray out loud. You raise your hand in church. <laughs> and those are great contemporary expressions. And I think they're great. I do all of those things. And, they, and it's a, it is a way to express the Holy Spirit. But you know, the Holy Spirit is a lot more than those things. It's actually his spirit. So I believe it's referring to two things. It's referring to the person of God, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. The one of the one part of the Trinity, there's the Father, there's the Son, the Lord Jesus, and there's the Holy Spirit. So in some way the actual person of God dwells in you through faith. It's a mystery we don't understand why God would choose to take up residence inside my body given all the junk that's in there. It's beyond me, but it's his mercy. But I believe it refers to something else. It means of the same spirit and so if you're around someone just in a like someone's spirit if someone's always jovial and you're around them you want to be jovial or, or sometimes their joviality rubs off if you're around somebody they're always grumpy <laughs> they have a grumpy spirit what happens to everybody in the room especially if they're the boss uh-huh. right so Jesus had a spirit and that spirit was the spirit of love in fact, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. And so that means you have the same mind, the same purpose, and the same passion. And if you have the same mind, the same purpose, the same passion, that means you'll be doing the same things that Jesus did. How do you know if you're in Him and He's in you? Are you filled with His Spirit? Do people look at you and your lifestyle and say, Wow, that, you, that looks like Jesus. That's our goal. And that's our aim. That's the outward journey. All right? You've mastered the outward journey if you're walking to the point where people see Christ through your life. All right? That's the target. That's how you aim. Do you have and I just want to ask you, do you have Christ's Spirit in you? Have you asked Jesus to fill you with His spirit? Have you come to him and you recognize him as Lord? that he died on the cross? as payment for your sin, and you've gotten to a place where you said, not only do I believe in you, but I want you in me. Both indwelling, but also reproduced. I want your spirit in me to the point where I reflect you. And there's nothing I can do to make you do that. You have to receive it. You have to at some point in your life, say, you know what? I'm buying in. And buy in to the degree that Jesus bought in, 100%. And whenever you uncover something in your life that doesn't align with the life of Jesus Christ, throw that away and take what Christ offers. All right? Second thing is, it says we have seen. By this we know that He is in us and we are in Him. We have seen. That means you've personally experienced. That word seen in the Greek means you've checked it out. You've investigated it. You've searched it. It's not good enough just to hear it like a news report on the radio. You don't know if it's real news or fake news, right? (laughs) You've taken the time to do some research. You've sought God out in your personal time in prayer. You've sought God out in your life. And you've come to the place where you've actually experienced. You can stand and say, I've experienced. Now, your experience doesn't have to be my experience. It's not going to be. All right? You may have an experience that's you've been knocked off a horse like Paul. Or you may have experience where it was just a gradual revelation. More like Timothy in the Bible. He just grew up in a godly home and, and learned it from his childhood. But at a certain point, he saw it. He got it. And so have you seen Christ personally? Have you experienced Him to the point where it's changed your life? If not, don't leave today without letting that happen. And the third one is, and this is the outward journey that we're really talking about, it says we testify. It means to be a witness. To give testimony. It simply means, have you told other people? Have you loved another person enough to share the gift that was motivated by the love of the Father to the world in the, in the widest sense of the term. All right? Because if you're not telling other people, if you're not communicating it to other people, well, according to this Scripture, you can't know if you abide in Him or He's abiding in you. Are you hearing me? If you're actually not communicating to others Jesus Christ, the love of the Father to those in the world, then you're lacking one of the three ways to know the three proofs that identifies you as a legitimate, if you will, a verified, certified, authorized Christ follower. Okay? And so you know how you do, you know how you do this? Take a guess. you tell somebody say say I'm gonna tell somebody okay all one two three I'm gonna tell somebody go tell it on the mountain right have you have you told somebody else this is a great time of the year to communicate the gift right? it's all about gift giving and you just you what do you tell you tell what you've seen you tell what you've seen you tell what you've, you tell what you've experienced You don't have to explain more than you know. But if you share what you've experienced and it starts a conversation, and the goal is to communicate that gift in love to the world.